I would like, if I may, to take you on a strange journey. To explore strange new worlds. To seek out new life and new civilizations. To boldly go where no man has gone before. Others lock up your sons. The fangirls are busting out all over. It's Fangirl Radio. Fangirl Radio. Here's the Fangirls on Jackalope Radio. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to Fangirl Radio for 2015. We have been gone for a couple of weeks due to the holidays and the fun that is the holiday season. Um, But with me tonight, joining us back is Mr. Eric Smith. Hello. And the lovely and talented Sarah Buck. Hello! And I have an announcement to make, and that is that Eric is now our official third host. Yay! <laughs> Welcome aboard, lady! Apparently I'm one, neither lovely nor talented. He, he, is, he is our furry and male um, fangirl. <laughs> we do not ascribe to gender here. That's right. We do, we 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 flip the bird to gender norms at Fangirl Radio this and gender free radio. Yes, gender gender free radio. But we are happy to have Eric. He is a font of knowledge. He's awesome, and we love him. And we are so happy to bring him on board. And he helps Aww, me pick you. games. And he's the game guru. Um, that does not necessarily mean you will not hear Rachel T. Moore back on the show. She will be back as a co-host on a case-by-case basis when we need some coverage. Um, she has a, a lot of stuff going on, and Rachel is awesome. And she will be writing for our site, Fangirl Magazine. But um, Eric is now our full-time third co-host. Mm-hmm. So... Thanks. I'm waving a tiny flag. Yay! <laughs> there's there's fireworks going off Welcome in my room. Yeah. Fangirl. See, I sang you a little song too. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Welcome. Welcome to it. so welcome. Welcome to it. So, um, we have a lot to catch up on. Um, We had a wonderful interview this week to get to as well. I am so excited about this because he is a fellow geek and he is amazing and has worked on so many things that are just fandom friendly. Um, Mr. Christopher Lennertz is our uh, guest this week and he has written for all 10 seasons the music for Supernatural. And he is also the man behind two of the biggest and most awesome um, genre series starting, actually started this weekend and this week, which is Gallivant, which is a limited run uh, series that I am so happy about <laughs> on ABC. It was so good. And he, he worked with Alan Minkin on that, which is a major, major thing because Alan Minkin is basically the godfather of modern musicals right now. And he is also the man behind the music for Agent Carter. 
Which is amazing. Which is amazing. And so he's he's pretty much involved with all the cool stuff right now and he's also worked on video games as well and i'm i'm looking at you 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 look at his list you look him up on go ahead and look him up on wikipedia or imdb and you will just be in awe of it because he's done mass effect 2 he did mass effect 3 he's done middle of honor just so much stuff the man is is very, very traveled in, in terms of work. So he's great. And we got to talk about Agent Carter. We got to talk about Gallivant. And the fact that, you know, how amazing is it that for 10 years now he's been doing Supernatural, the show that will not die. <laughs> I thought that ended. Nope. 10th season. Okay. It's pretty amazing. So, um, but that will be later on. Right now, we're going to get to the Weekend Geek. And um, I have to say, I have to admit something. I'm cheating a little bit when it comes to my best of and worst of 2014 that I owe the site um, to write. Because there were two films that I have to watch before I can make my list complete. And one of them I already watched and the other I'm working on uh, is The Guest and Horns. And uh, I have to tell you, the guest was just as good as I knew it would be. Oh, my God. Oh, so excited. Dan Stevens, you need to die more often on Downton Abbey so you can be reborn as a Terminator. Oh, my God. Um, But, yes, so I will be getting that list up on the site here um, this week. And um, But as of today... I'll give you a sneak peek of my number one. Uh Uh-oh. My number one is obvious uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. Best thing to come out of 2014. I... It's on my top five. It's my number one. I, I, have, I, I have more, but but I'll, I'll, that's just a sneak peek. You guys will have to go to the website to see yeah, what else. Yeah, we, we will see how... I, I think Sarah and, my, Sarah and Amai's list are going to like be pretty close, but I don't know. I'm... I actually had a lot of comic books on mine, so. I will, yeah, duh. Yeah, because yeah. <laughs> uh, Kelly Sue DeConnick is killing it this year, so. Nice. Go, Kelly Sue! I, I, am, I am excited to get this, get this down because I was amazed by how many uh, things were good and not bad this time around. I, it's it's kind of nice. Um, so let's get to Weekend Geek, though. I, I, I have to get some of this news out because there's some release date information that just came out this week, actually literally today, and that is Daredevil on Netflix will be available on April 10th to me. The whole thing. The whole so, thing. Just, so yep. make sure you're not doing anything on the 10th. Yeah. And it will you know you're just going to watch the entire thing in one day. Yeah, just be sure to hydrate and, you know, have food. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's going to take a little bit of the sting away from paying taxes that month. I too. If you're in Eugene, I can recommend some good, like, delivery food. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, they they have announced that that will be available on April tenth, which is a which is awesome. That's only three months away, guys. Um, the other thing that actually was released on Twitter via this the the man playing him, the Gambit with Channing Tatum. <laughs> I love Channing Tatum. He's not Gambit. He's darling. He's if not- he lost some weight, if he got a bit skinnier, he's, not he's 
darling. Josh, okay. Josh Holloway or Vincent Ventresca. <laughs> Those were the two men born to be the Raging Cajun. I'm but sorry. are you just typecasting them, though? How is Josh Holloway being typecast? Like, sometimes oh sometimes the best thing is, like, when you, like, see an actor or, um, you know, and they're like, oh, this person's going to play this character, and you're like, I would never have imagined them in that role. And sometimes they're the best, like, uh, you know, Chris Pratt with Star-Lord. Everybody's like, what? Chris Pratt is that chubby guy. No way can he play a superhero. Mm. Like, I mean, but look at him. Like, he was amazing. Channing Tatum is not Channing Tatum. <laughs> to, me, to me, Channing Tatum's best role was in um, This is the End. Joe <laughs> loves me, man. I absolutely <laughs> loved uh, that he did that. Uh, you know, he's got, you know, he's... He's got great timing. Um, I, but uh, I see Gambit as tall and lanky, and I don't see Channing Tatum I, as tall I, I and lanky. I don't either, and I don't, I, I just don't well, see him tall. as Gambit. I, I, Vincent Ventresca, if you've not seen the Invisible Man series that was on the Sci-Fi Network, back when it was at the Sci-Fi Network, it was. Yes. He... <laughs> Even had in, in some of the scenes had glowing red eyes because of the Quicksilver madness. Mm. <laughs> he was him. Oh, I love him. I love him in uh, Dead and Breakfast. Oh yeah, um, so many the, great roles that the, he's played. The hair, the f face, yeah. the long link. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, you will get to see Gambit with his own feature film on October seventh of two thousand and sixteen. Um, and, I, and I am going to say I'm going to say Channing Tatum's up for the role. I'm uh, going to be I'm going to be the objector. I'm going to give him a chance. And, yeah, I'm, uh, I'll give him. Well, I really because you know what? Uh, like I have so much faith in the Marvel film franchise at this point that I'm like, yeah, okay. Yeah, but this Go is the one it. not owned by Marvel. Right, it's so not Marvel. So is this Fox or yeah, this is Fox. Fox. Uh, you know, they hit it right on the head with Evan Peters' Quicksilver. Mm. So. They're doing better than Sony. They're doing better. They are thought. doing better than so. Sony. <laughs> like, uh, I mean, I would recommend everyone watch that X-Men film. Like, if they, even if they stop watching it after Quicksilver leaves, because that was perfect. Oh, yeah. No, he was great. But they, you know, then he was gone. Um, the, but moving on to something that isn't a Marvel uh, film is Assassin's Creed with um, Fassbender killing people in a hood. Um, they moved it. Uh, they actually switched that around apparently with the, well, kind of a Marvel touch, um, the Fantastic Four that's so coming. <laughs> um, they switched. Which assassin exactly is Fassbender playing in that? I think he's a new one. He's not even any that okay. has been. I was going to say, I'm like, huh. See, I can't see Michael Fassbender as an Assassin's Creed character. Oh, I can. Oh, I <laughs> well, can. aside from the good looks, but, you know. Uh, he's deadly. Kinda, he's like, like I you... want to see him as Magneto killing Nazis a little bit more. Well, what do you think he's going to be doing in this? Like, that's going to... That scene harkens back to this. Oh, I can totally see it. I can totally see him running around and just being a badass. But we're going to have to wait a full year extra before we can get to see him as a badass. Because uh, they've moved this to December of 2016. 
It'll come faster than you think. Uh, yeah, I know, but ah, man, but it, it's a good it's a good indication that they think that movie's going to be huge, which it no doubt will be because they're giving it a December release. It's going to be a Christmas release. Um, back to Marvel though. Uh, they premiered the Ant-Man teaser trailer finally without it being ant-sized. I'm getting really sick of that. <laughs> so, have you? Did you see the um, the cover for the issue that came out? Yes. Um, that was. I mean, I I gave them a round of applause for that. The tiny, tiny cover, but then yes. you could actually look at it and see what he looked like. Well, like, well, it's just a white cover. And it says Ant Man on it, and and I missed it the first when I was scrolling through. I'm like, oh, no, Ant Man. I guess that's because they put out covers that are sketch covers, right? That are just blank covers that artists right. you can take and and have artists drawn. I for a second I thought it was a sketch cover, and then I looked because I'm like, oh my god, there's a teeny tiny Ant Man on that cover, and I was like, that's that's darling, and it actually is him in the suit. I yes. It's, it, it's funny. A but round I, of applause, Marvel. Round of applause. I, that That's wearing thin, but I did like the fact that in the trailer itself, Paul Rudd actually mocks the name Ant-Man. <laughs> I yeah. thought that... Can we change the name? Can we change the name? <laughs> Can we? So I actually really liked that. Um, but it, it, it was a teaser. You didn't really get much out of it. And um, so... It's uh, you're still. I, I'm not a hundred percent on Ant Man. I, I just I'm, I'm not. It, it's, oh, ye of little pin face. I know. I'm a huge Ant Man fan. Really, you're Always horrible. Loved <laughs> I love Ant Man. Um, Wife and beater. I, I love no. I love the Scott Lang Ant Man. Um, okay. He well, kind as of, long as we make that distinction. <laughs> well, he. <laughs> He he kind of co-starred in Iron Man for a while, back when Iron Man was my favorite comic. Uh, and that's, you know, Paul Rudd's playing Scott Lang, and they have his daughter in the movie, Cassie. I assume that will be her name in the movie. So I love seeing uh, seeing this. I can't wait to see the movie. I, I'm, I'm going to give it a chance because I love Paul Rudd. He is like another Chris Pratt in, in, the, in the fact that he's just charming as hell. And mm. I, I love the... I'm I'm blanking on his name, which is horrible. The guy that's playing the bad guy, who's playing um, Yellow Jacket, I think is his name in this, right? Is it Yellow it's Jacket? Yellow Jacket, but and I can't remember the actor either. Oh God, Corey Corey Stoll, Corey Stoll, that's his name, and uh, he is in um, he's the lead guy in in the the Strain, and oh, uh, okay. yeah, only he's not wearing that like horrible F? wig. They finally got him. Yeah, he's Ephraim. <laughs> They finally let they're letting him be bald, which is what he is. Uh, and because uh, I just every I hate time F. I know you hate F, you hate the strain. <laughs> I don't hate it, I hate F. I like F. Well, I, I hate that he's yeah, I like I like Strasakian. He's a jerky McJerk face, yeah. I I like I like Strasakian, yeah. So, anyway, people can be attractive and still be jerks. Um. But I like I like Corey Stoll. I love his I love his acting. He's really great in um, House of Cards. He was amazing in that. Uh, so I'm going to give this movie a shot. I just I don't know. I I I I think I'm still feeling some of the the angst of losing Edgar Wright from this. You know. And I I love Ant Man too. 
I was just giving Eric a hard time. <laughs> Why is he here? Well, we have to acknowledge that there was a time in Marvel history where they made a really bad decision with Ant-Man. Um, they made a terrible decision with Ant-Man. And, and the character hasn't recovered yet. Now, in the cartoons in the past, like, seven years or so, they've really tried to kind of bring him in back in a little and kind of, you know, try and salvage the image, try and test him out, see if like they could even bring him back without people just hating him, hating him. Uh, and uh, so far so good. He's become a good character again. Well, I mean, so, they did try to salvage him by saying that, he had a split personality, and Yellow Jacket was sort of his evil side, and nobody bought that. But it wasn't. It wasn't really Hank Pym that did it. Yeah. But, um, yeah. No, they're like, oh, yeah, they're trying to cover that. their tracks. Well, they even I made think... him a jerk in the cartoons too that they did. I mean, they and then they tried to make him a her heroic death at the end of uh, that second Avengers cartoon they did, um, the the direct to DVD stuff. Right. Um, yeah, he's, but, um, I think they were trying to main, retain some of that, um, you know, like one of our favorite things to explore in, in popular culture is the mad scientist, you know, how, and, and nobody really sets out to be a mad scientist, but they, you know, Tony Stark, Hank Pym. They're, oh, they're also angry. Oh uh, yeah, and they glow green, and then they 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 get really buff. Um, yes. So I, we'll see how it goes. I'm I'm waiting to see some more from Ant Man. Um, you know, story wise, and how they're going to go with it. Um, but one thing that's interesting, let's let's kind of move on to some TV stuff now because we did have two series return from a, a brief hiatus, and then we had two new series, which we kind of talked about a little bit earlier. But first kind of a neat thing that's happening with Game of Thrones. Um, they're actually going to remaster two episodes of season four for IMAX. And they're going to show it in theaters the week of the 23rd of this month. And uh, it comes back, right? Well, and then they're going to actually show the season five trailer in IMAX. They're going to have a, a exclusive trailer, I guess, with these showings. You, you know which which episodes those are. The last two, actually. It's the Watchers on the Wall and the finale. Well, yeah, because they've got to get that like ridiculously long camera shot in there. Yeah, that big pan that they did. <laughs> I mean, that was like, they probably filmed that or like, man, you know what we should do with this? <laughs> we need Holy a fucking IMAX. We're so proud of this camera shot that we got to do it. Well, I think it's a composite, too. There's no way that's one long shot. Yeah, they have. I think it is, too. I don't think there's any way they, yeah. Unless unless there's, like, some giant model somewhere like they did for Star Wars way back in the day where they, you know, ran it through there. But I, mean, I, think, I guess the OK Go did do that one music video last year, so... Well, I think it's kind of a neat thing, and uh, it's going to be limited to certain, like, I think 150 IMAX theaters are going to be showing it. And if you go on the IMAX site, um, IMAX.com, I think is the site, you can find out which theaters it's showing in. 
But it's going to be for one week, and you will get the Watchers on the Wall and the finale, which I think is called The Children. Um, and then you will also be seeing the Season 5 trailer in IMAX. So that's kind of neat. It's the first time they've ever done an HBO series uh, and converted it like that. So, pretty cool. Um, but as I said, we had two series return um, this over this last couple of days that were gone for a couple weeks. And one of them was Gotham, which I've kind of made clear my this interest in that show but i watched Ooh, it gotham now here's what's funny i had Ooh, I, dc <laughs> i had um i had i had not caught up yet before this showed so i i went back and i watched the the second to um last episode that we had and it, the one called lovecraft and oh my god that was so good that was such a good episode we finally got to see Alfred kicking some ass and being a badass. And you had Harvey Denton there and you got to see Selena and Bruce become closer. And uh, we got to see Ivy show back up. It was really, really, really good. It was a great episode. We 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 focused on the interesting thing and there was barely any fish mooney, if any, in that episode. Mm. So... I enjoyed the hell out of it. It was great. It was what this show should be about, right? Well, then we come to the new one, and um, uh, yeah, the new episode of Gotham, which had actually it's called Rogues Gallery, focused entirely on Gordon. And they even brought in because they're trying to play that whole fan bait, Marina Bakker and as a new character in this as Leslie Tompkins, who's an actually an actual character in DC, but they brought her in and it just, this episode was so boring. And not only did we, the entire series supposed to be about Gordon and, and he's so disinteresting. I just don't care. That's what I called that. I called that at the start. Yeah, it, it, they've made him so I uninteresting. Like, I don't care. <laughs> I was like, this, this, this is not good acting. They did not write this character well. This is what the show's about. I don't think I'm interested in watching this. The only thing that's, yeah, the only thing that stood out for me this whole episode, even the penguin was bad in this one. It just, I just didn't care. Well, was, he's still trying to get over losing the part in The Walking Dead. So you can't yeah, really no him. doubt. Yeah, taking a baseball back to the, the back of your head will do that. Well, um, I'm cutting your throat open. Just, that too. I mean, that too. Lemon juice on an open wound. So the only interesting thing that happened in this episode that I I was like, yay, that's cool, was Elise Beasley was in it from Moonlighting. You know, Mr. Pesto, she played a crazy nurse. That was that was the one thing that stood out. I mean, somebody else online was wrote a review. I think it was IO9. I was reading what they thought of it, and they pointed out the fact that this it may have been someone else i i i i may be with the wrong side anyway someone else online pointed this out the stuff that happens in this episode is so stupid and unbelievable that that it, it's even reaching for a comic book series <laughs> just it it really is and i just I, man i i don't i don't know why can't we just have alfred the series we could call it pennyworth well- See, now I was going to say it. 
I was going to say it should be Harvey Bullock, the series. Oh, God. Yeah. Bullock is the man. He's like the only thing. So it could be like DC's version of Downton Abbey. I would be okay with that. I would be okay with that because Sean Pertwee was so awesome in this. He just kicked so much ass. He was shooting people. In oh my god, it was so good. Lord Lord Bruce Grantham and <laughs> Alfred Pennyworth <laughs> I would having be- halted but serious conversations in which they display nothing but the utmost respect for one another. I'm sorry. An acknowledgement of their place in life and how I, right it is. I, I would be okay with that. So yeah, Gotham happened and I just, man, I, it sucks because what they'll do is they'll dangle that little carrot and then they'll, they'll give you the, the poopy in on the next episode. So Sleepy Hollow came back after a couple, you know, and you remember the last episode of, of that, um, Moloch was destroyed by, um, you know, uh, the sun and it, yeah. Oh boy. Um, so, yeah. So Ichabod and Abby's son played by John Noble destroyed Moloch. Wait, Ichabod and Abby? Or I'm sorry, Ichabod. God, Ichabod and Katrina. See, I'm trying to make it more interesting. Hey, I'm like, wait, yeah, I'm trying to make a more interesting that? show here. Is this your fanfic we're talking about? No, it's everybody I, I, else's I, fanfic. I totally ship them so hard. Yeah, no, seriously, that's kind of what needs to happen. So, anyway, Katrina's awful. No, Katrina gets even worse. Okay, she's poor narrative crap. So. John Noble is not even in this episode. I don't even know what happened. They've actually skipped ahead in time with He got this. another weird job on some Yeah, job. he's hosting yeah. some other science channel <laughs> thing. Like, where where do you come from? This is amazing. How do you get these jobs? So so um Katrina is now playing this we have to try and redeem the horseman of death because he was our friend. Well, when was she not? Uh, this is what she's doing now for real and on top of everything else you know how i've already talked about how i'm annoyed but they're adding characters that Mm. they don't need like the blonde guy that i can't even be bothered to remember his name who's like the the antiques dealer baddie you know bad boy that's in love with both of the the sisters um so they've added yet another character an angel wow that's not been done. Wait, are we talking about Supernatural? Yeah, thank you. <laughs> no, his name is Orion. And he's a crazy angel. And it's so... And I, oh, that kind of fits in with some versions of Orion. Yeah, really, but do we need any more characters in this show? Really? Do we? I don't know. Because they can't even <laughs> give enough good story to who they've got. As long as they're gearing up to get rid of Katrina, I'm fine with it. I don't think they are, though. And and that whole thing, the whole separated uh, marriage thing that they're doing with her and Ichabod is so annoying. It's just, I'm just bored. You know what was so, what was good about this show? Abby and Ichabod and Ghost of, of Clancy Brown. And undead John, uh, John Cho. That's all we needed. That is all we needed in this show. No, well, you need more. And than Orlando that. Jones. We needed Orlando Jones. I'm really fine with it. Was, I'm okay was, with it. I was okay with that. I, I'm good. 
I, I mean, it's a lot of fun. Like in the tradition of of many like. Um, you know, goofy supernatural but you television can, series. Like sometimes they pile on the characters, but and you, you can tell that they're like flailing, and they've kind of gotten to that point where okay, where do we go with this story? Oh, you know what? Let's add some more people, or or they have a direction, uh, and you just got to kind of power through it. Uh, I I shouldn't have to power through it. I, they hey, should have a... You know what was so... I think you should just pause for a minute and acknowledge that Gotham still exists. I mean, come I, on. Yeah, not by my choice. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you, know, what, you know what's cool is if you go back and... If you go back and look at Breaking Bad and you see how much thought went into that series before it started and the arc that was already there. Well, it's it's that's a completely different monster, though. But it's like you know, at a certain point, I feel like it's unfair to hold shows like Sleepy Hollow uh, to the same kind of magnifying glass as we hold Breaking Bad because Breaking Bad is really, I mean, I think we can can acknowledge, but that there's like more substance there almost. But here's Um, the thing: you're you're a genre show on Fox. You know how genre shows on the Fox network tend to go. <laughs> not very far. So Well, it's not there. a it's not a Joss Whedon genre show on Fox. Yeah, so it has it's a chance. Got a good chance. But all I have to say to you is like three or four words. Space above and beyond. Mm. That's all I have to say, you know? Mm. <laughs> uh, it's yeah. I, I have not caught up on it yet, but um, I don't know. I think it's fun. I think it's a fun series. It is, but they're they're making it not fun. Because Who knows? Yeah, we don't know yet. Wait till you see this. You already hate Katrina. You're going to hate her so much more. Well, I mean, I think that's the point, though. At a certain point, like, I've kind of acknowledge that like you're not really supposed to like Katrina if you sh- if you put her next to every other character on the show she's just you know so she's that character who's so like sweet and has that um you know like unfathomable like goodness to her that you're like okay I'm not supposed to trust her but you know <laughs> There are characters that you love to hate, and when you just start to hate them, that's when I think there's a problem. If you just <laughs> exactly hate full of them. hate, so the line is a little bit blurred for me. But uh, um, but, but let's no, talk um, about something that we all like because we're uh, I need to I need to start our interview here pretty soon. But I we have to talk about these two things: Agent Carter. Woo! Yes. Agent Carter is pumping right now. <laughs> it was so good. So good. Oh my god. And there were so many char- all the character actors. All of they them. They had, you know, like Chad Michael Murray playing Chad Michael Murray. James Urbaniak uh, is in here as a creepy mad scientist. I'm like, Dr. Venture, oh, yeah. don't you dare say Hell Hydra. And then you've got James Frain, who always has to die. Poor James Frain. Everything you must die in. It's not fair. 
just an amazing cast. It was so good. I and mean, everybody, everybody even, was in it. I was, I was excited to see Kevin Heffernan from Broken Lizard <laughs> in his little role. It was, there was everybody. Everybody was, was like, in wow. this. And, and I love, I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, go, no, go, go. Talk. Um, <laughs> well, I'm not going to try to pronounce his name, but I love the guy that played Daniel.
really bright and really fun. Uh, the the way they play with color, especially with Peggy's costumes. It's just um, beautiful. It's beautiful, but it's also like very, you know, it's definitely making a statement about her character and the world around her. Um, it's making, you know, a very positive statement about um, her love, as a woman. I love that her first costume was basically the Captain America colors. Her first outfit yeah. that you see her in. And it's it's gorgeous. The and blue and the red? The blue, red, and she had a white shirt. Yeah. And I was like, that is great. And I love the radio broadcast. Oh, yeah. I was slapping <laughs> my ass off. But it was just so wonderfully done. It was so well thought out. And it makes me sad that it's only like seven weeks or something. It's only only a few episodes because it's it's in between for it's it's basically the filler for when Agents of Shield come back. Mm -hmm. But it makes and that makes me sad. But I'm excited about it. I love it. I love the fact that we're gonna get the Howling Commandos coming, and I love um, the fact that Tony's dad's coming back, and Dominic Cooper. God, he's so good in that. Oh, yeah, he's great. He's so perfect. Um, so the other series that started this weekend, which is also limited um, and is also comp is scored by our guest tonight, is Gallivant. And it was so good, too. I that was fantastic. Yeah. Uh, uh, Timothy Omenson as King Richard is the man. I'm sorry. He made that. He made oh, he's, I've been a fan of his, well, since Psych. Oh yeah, but I I knew him. He but actually he was fantastic in he, this. Did you see the episode that he was in of um, uh, Human Target where he played the bad guy? I did not. Yeah, he is in it, and he played, and and he's got those giant blue eyes. So it's oh, I, that's how I recognize him is when I see his eyes, and uh, he is he's just phenomenal. Not creepy at all, Jessica. Sorry. <laughs> I didn't say I wanted to pop him out and wear him as a necklace, did I? No. Well, now you did. Oh, uh, I, I, but I didn't then. That's what counts. So <laughs> the the first episode, actually, they did two episodes together, kind of like they did with Agent Carter. Um, we got John Stamos's John John Ham, <laughs> which was brilliant. Um, but what's great is so many guest stars are coming back. For this, like you're gonna have Ricky Gervais, Weird Al Yankovic, and Rucker Howard. But what I'm really excited for that I didn't realize until just recently is Anthony Stewart Head's gonna be in it, mm -hmm. and he's a singer. You guys don't remember? Oh he's yeah. A singer. Oh, uh, I used to have I his album. Watched that episode of Buffy over and over. No, again. he was the he was the UK's Frankenfurter. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my and god. So he sings a couple times on Buffy. Yes, he does. And they're the sexiest things ever. Um, but I actually have his music from Elevators C D. Yeah, I used oh, to have that. So beautiful. Well, you know who his brother is, right? Judas. No. Well, yes, but <laughs> <laughs> Murray Head, who did yes. one night in Bangkok, um, is his brother. Yeah, so, and he was Judas in uh um, yeah, in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ Superstar. I find it. I find it really interesting that we've kind of revived the television musical. I know, isn't it great? I'm, I, I'm yeah, so I'm, it's very, it's great. It's a lot of fun. I'm also very interested to kind of like what what in in our collective American lives 
has pushed us to the point where we're like, we want to watch Peter Pan live on <laughs> We don't. Television. Well, I don't know about that. <laughs> um, and things like Gallivant and stuff. It's because, you know, like, ten years ago, we would have been like, musicals. Because Ugh, we need what? more light. Schlop. Yes, we do. Well, Gallivant is amazing. And, um, and we're almost out of time. and we got to bring on our interview segment. But the interesting thing that I found out, because I, I made a point of asking, was I was so sad that this show is only a limited run, but it could only really kind of be a limited run. You know, it would, it would kill the actors to try and keep up with this as a full series. But if this does well, they will do everybody wants to come back and do another one so watch gallivant that's i'll what, try it that's what you take that's away true. from this you watch the hell out of gallivant so they know that people will want another one in like a year so funny oh my god so funny oh my god it's so funny all right guys well thank you so much for listening um we are getting ready to bring on our interview segment with composer christopher leonards and i wanted to thank eric and sarah um for being on tonight and um we will yes and also just keep in mind um i may have an exclusive little announcement about horror hound weekend coming up (laughs) might have something to do with musicals Wait, what? <laughs> so with that, let's go and bring on Mr. Christopher Leonards, and we will see you next week. Hi, everybody. I want to welcome Christopher Leonards to Fangirl Radio. And if the name might not be familiar to you, the music definitely is. This man has done a little bit of everything. And I'm sure at one time or another you've heard him, either be it on television, um, movies, or video games. He's done pretty much all of the genres that you can imagine. And we welcome you to Fangirl Radio. Hi there. Thank you. Um, so you are a very busy man right now. <laughs> I am. We got a lot going on, which is great. You do. Um, so just just this, like, the Wedding Ringers coming out, Agent Carter's coming out, Gallivant just started. Agent Carter actually starts tonight. Um Wow, you're like in everything that I love. So so we're actually close to the same age. Um, and in, I kind of feel like I grew up in the heyday of science fiction and movies, like the, the golden age, at least to my, my generation, with like the 80s and the 70s and how everything was just amazing. What influenced you growing up to want to be a composer? Because I'm, I'm guessing there was maybe some John Williams in there. Uh, that's a pretty great guess. I mean, I, I think anyone, like you said, who grew up uh, at that time period, it was it was so it was impossible not to be uh, influenced by by John. But for me, especially, I, you know, I was born north of Boston, and uh, my whole mom's side of the family was from there. We spent every summer there, and so that was when John Williams was the conductor of the Boston Pops. Oh wow! So I, I mean, I remember going at least three, four, five times a summer. And just sitting on a blanket with my parents, my sister, and, and you know, listening to E.T. And, and Indiana Jones and, and Star Wars and, and just so loving all that music. Um, and that was when I was, you know, really falling in love with movies, too. And I, you know, I was a huge fan of, of all the science fiction stuff and the adventure stuff. I was also a huge James Bond fan. Um, and, and I just, I loved all that. And I loved the idea of... of, of 
stories, and then as I really developed and realized that I had a musical leaning and a musical uh, talent, I I just love the idea of using music to help tell stories um, and be part of a of a, of a movie. Um, so it's sort of you know it was a roundabout way where you know where I went through playing in bands in high school, playing guitar and and doing all that stuff. But I think at the end of the day, I was really sort of meant to do this. And uh, and and I've always loved you know from I remember dancing around uh, in my in my basement with uh, with a cheap set of uh, you know boxing gloves that I bought at some uh, some garage sale while you know Bill Conti's Rocky theme blasted <laughs> out of an old old, old boombox you know so I just remember just identifying so much with how how much personality came from the music and and so yeah that's really where it came from and, and John Williams was a huge part of it. Oh, that's awesome. And you, you mentioned how the music was, uh, you know, influences you, but I, I almost see, and, and, and you tell me if I'm wrong, that a lot of people see the music in a film as another character, not just driving the story, but as a part of it. If it's done right, I absolutely think that's true. I think, you know, whether it's, you know, whether it's something like Star Wars, uh, which has all those great themes, or if it's, you know, something where they use a lot of great music, like, you know, uh, like Scorsese did in Goodfellas or, or um, Tarantino in Pulp Fiction, I feel like there's a way to really just have music become part of the tapestry of, of a movie, just like, you know, just like the costumes, just like the actors, just like anything else, and I think it's, it's a really important part of it. Awesome. So, um, one thing, I because I, I, you're like one of the... F- I, I can't remember how many, if we've ever had another composer on the show. So I always like pick the brains of, of filmmakers and creators when they come on. So you may have a headache after this. No, <laughs> um, so what's the process like for something, um, for, for what you're doing with like Agent Carter, which is a period piece. Do you, uh, and, and that sounds funny because it's also a comic book related property, but it is a period piece. Yeah. What what kind of research do you do before you start composing for it? And and uh, you know, would it be like listening to nineteen um, twenties and thirties music, or would it be in, in like reading the literature, or just like engulfing yourself in in the time period? There's definitely a you know, there's definitely I I, have, I I definitely went through a big jazz period in my life, and my grandfather was a singer. Um, in Boston, and he sort of sang Sinatra kind of stuff. So, so I had a pretty good jazz background to begin with, but then I really went in and I tried to figure out, well, what, you know, what's the sound, what's the instrumentation that they were using that was popular in that post-World War II time period. And then, of course, the other thing is, is it's, you know, it's absolutely a Marvel show. And so it's really kind of a hybrid of, of late 40s influence on a sort of Marvel comic book property sound um, with a little bit of that sort of spy aspect to it, too. So um, tiny little bit of Henry Mancini influence <laughs> mixed with, uh, you know, mixed with, uh, with big Marvel sounds and, and a little bit of uh, 1940s, you know, big band swing as well. So it really kind of fits together, and I think it's something unique that, that people aren't hearing on TV, certainly something that people aren't seeing on TV. You know, having a, a really great period show where the lead character is a ridiculously strong and smart and savvy and, you know, pardon my French, ass-kicking uh, female heroine. And it's really awesome. And she, Haley is so great. And, 
you know, I think people are going to love it. I think people are waiting for this kind of thing on TV, and I think she's just an awesome lead. Well, and I actually have a friend of mine that cosplays as her, and she's spot on. Uh, so it's uh, we're definitely excited about it. It's it's something we've all been looking forward to. And Marvel's ahead of the game on the female-driven uh, comic book stuff for sure, especially with this. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah, I think, awesome. Well, I I think everyone else is behind the game, but but yeah, I I I, I think Marvel fully embraced it and. When you guys see the show, you'll just see it. Like it is, she is the boss, and she is so great. And and I think uh, the show is such a great vehicle for her and for you know for like an expansion of the Marvel universe. And I think you know I think people are really going to like it. It's kind of a really big, wide audience. And yeah, I hope people really tune in. Well, and it's it's double bonus because I'm a huge Dominic Cooper fan, and I I can't wait oh, yeah. to, to see Howard Stark back again. Because oh, he's so great too. He's so perfect. I mean, he's so perfect. <laughs> uh, my but, little fangirl moment. I can't help it. I love that character, and I love him. He's so great. He's great in everything he's in. I'm sorry. Um, so, kind of moving on to the other ABC property that you're you're working on with. Galavant, which I love so much. This was so... Did you see it? I saw it. I loved it. So silly and awesome, isn't it? Tim Amundsen, I I want to hug him so bad. At the end of the episode, I wanted to punch her, and I wanted to hug him. Uh, Tim is is so great. And and I know Tim because Tim was on a couple episodes of Supernatural with us before. And and I didn't know... What, I didn't know how great a singer he was. I didn't know how great he was as a comic. I mean, he is just the best. And, and the whole show is, is is just so silly and smart and clever. And the songs that Alan Menken wrote, I mean, are just, just... Every single one of them is great. And, yeah, I really hope. It seems like people really liked it. It did well, and, and hopefully people keep tuning in. Well, kind of jumping ahead, the thing that I was... A lot of people are like, oh, I'm glad, because they couldn't see how this could be extended to a full-on series, that it's a limited run thing, which kind of makes me sad, because I love that kind of stuff. I love this parody. I love the the, the fantasy aspect and the how many amazing guest stars are in this four-week four period that is on the show. It's just, I, I love this stuff. Is there a possibility that if this really hits well, which I think it is because everybody's talking about it, have they talked to you at all about doing possibly a sequel, like another limited run? Oh, absolutely! I think. Yes. Yeah. I don't think it would. I don't. I don't think it's possible, humanly possible, to do a full twenty-two episode year-long series because I think everyone would just pass out. Yeah, <laughs> it's too much work. Um, but I absolutely think it would it could come back for a, a limited season two, and and I think everyone would love it if it if it did. You know, I think you'll see when you see the last episode, it is absolutely possible. It oh, goody! <laughs> it is a definitive setup for more, and I, I hope it happens. Oh, good. Yeah, because um, we're uh, my my uh, fellow fangirl Rachel is a huge Tim Owenson fan, and. Oh, good. She introduced me. I actually known him from other things that he'd been on, but the one that I got to know him really well on was Psych, and he was yeah, so, so good. good in that. Um, so, kind of going back to the process with this, though, with um, a musical like Gallivant, what's the collaboration process like on something like this? Especially, 
how oddball it is, and, and it's got to be different because it's a com- it's a parody that you're doing with Alan Menken, who is like the the grandfather of modern musical in a way. Oh yeah, he's the best. <laughs> he, he's the, he's to, to musical stuff. He is he is the John Williams. He is that guy. Yeah. Um, and um, and and you know that's why I jumped at the chance to do it. Um, it's just to watch and learn from him and see how he did it. And, and he's just, he's so brilliant and the songs are so good. So he, basically what happened was, is John, uh, let's see who was, it, actually Dan Fogelman and, uh, and uh, Alan came up with the idea of the musical of, of Gallivant and the story. And then they brought on Glenn Slater, who they had both worked with together to do the lyrics on Tangle. And so then he came in and, and basically, Dan and his writers would come up with the story arc, and then they'd, they'd give it to Alan, and Alan and Glenn would figure out, well, where can we put, where can we put songs that would help to tell the story and, and continue the, the story and, and still be funny and be catchy? And then they'd figure out, okay, well, here are the three or four spots in every episode that we can put a song, and they would start writing, and Alan would do a demo. And then they would send that to me, and um, and once the once that happened, I would continue to produce the song and and come. You know, Alan and I would 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 work on that together. And then uh, there was a lot of people involved. Mike Cosarin is Alan's main music director on just about everything, including everything on Broadway. He would come in and do all the arrangement and uh, and, and work on the vocals. And you know, it was a big process. And this was all before they even shot anything. <laughs> so then they would record these songs, and then they would send those. And the actors would sing it, Tim and everybody else would sing it, and then they'd record that in the studio, and then they'd go on set and actually shoot the scene and then edit it together. And then after that was all done, I would come in and I would use the themes from the songs and use Alan's theme and write a score based on all of that to, to tell the story within the song, in between the songs, and then that was all mixed together and put on. So it was, it's a Undertaking. I, I see what you uh, mean by about people passing out or dying if they get this yeah. full So there's, there's definitely, definitely, I don't think it would be possible to do it on a sort of a weekly basis. But um, but yeah, I do think people had a lot of fun, and I think it came out really, really well. And uh, you know, and I hope people really love it. I think it's it's kind of got a cult feel to it too. It's, it's it's one of those things that that as you watch, you'll get more of the jokes that you get the first time. Um, <laughs> And, and then you'll start hearing the dial, hearing the little quotes, and you'll start, you know, singing the catchy songs. And you know, it's one of those things that you can kind of like catch things every every, you know, few minutes. And it's kind of like a Monty Python or a Princess Bride, where you'll you'll watch it for the third or fourth or fifth time and go, oh, I didn't even catch that. That was great. And so I think uh, I think hopefully it's up really really well, and uh, and I hope we come back. I hope so too. I, I noticed in the in the in the. Uh, jousting episode, not only just the John Hamm reference, which was <laughs> amazing, but I saw that they had one of the signs pointing to Winterfell, and I'm like, oh my god! Yeah, <laughs> that, that... there's all kinds of there's all kinds of great little things. And then once you see once you see that the episode, I mean, the, the Weird Al episode is great, and then once you see the Ricky Gervais episode is amazing, and his song is like a, a mixture of like Queen and oh my god. Uh, it's, but yeah, it's kind of like somewhere between Queen and The Who and The Beatles, and it's just like great psychedelic trip, and there's so many great things, and I think there's all those little things that you'll 
you're saying psychedelic trip, and the only thing I keep thinking of is he turned a frog into a man. Are they going to try to lick his back? You know what? I'm not going to tell you that they do or don't. <laughs> There's a lot of trippy stuff in there. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, <laughs> oh, that's disturbing. So you seem to really enjoy genre work, like the the stuff like supernatural the the sci-fi stuff and you mentioned James Bond and I know that you worked on um one of the James Bond video games too which had to have been a thrill um at least, what draws you to that are you a fan of those it sounds like you definitely are the Oh yeah s- I'm such a geek I am such a <laughs> like king dork I love <laughs> I mean I had every Star Wars figure I had I had you know I had Every single, I had the Death Star of the Millennium Falcon. I had uh, Fake Walter PTK from James Bond. I had, you know, you name it. That, I mean, I that was my life. I, you know, I was a Dungeons and Dragons guy. I was a, you know, uh, an old school Atari guy. And that was really, you know, where I came from and where I developed sort of my love of all things, you know, sort of genre and especially movies. And I, I love spy movies. I love anything with a sword. I mean, I worked for Basil Polidorus when I first got out of college, who did Conan the Barbarian. And, oh. you know, and I, I lived for that kind of, like, epic, you know, epic genre stuff. Because it's, to me, it's, I love movies. I love anything where you can sort of pretend that you're in another world or that you're a different character or someone else, whether it be... You know, whether it be a hero like a Luke Skywalker or a Rocky or the Godfather, like I love when you get transported to a different world. I think I'm much more of a fan of that than I am of trying to make. I already, I already know reality. I already kind of feel like we all live in reality. And what I love about movies is that you can escape. You know, that's awesome. So uh, this kind of feeds into my next question, which is: you do music for video games. Do you play them first, sans the music, to get a feel for it or an idea of the sound? Or how does that work? Because um, that's something that a lot of people kind of forget. That's an, uh, an involved process. It is, and it's actually it's a little backwards because the game's not done yet when I usually get hired. Mm-hmm. So I'm not able to play it because it's not ready. So what I usually end up doing is seeing a lot of concept art and seeing what they want the game to look like, and I'll read some sort of a script, I'll read and get told direction from each level. Uh, if it's a level-based game, that has a lot to do with knowing the characters and what the game's going to look like. And it's a lot of description, a lot of visual and uh, written description. And then I have to write the music before the game's really even ready. And sometimes while I'm finishing the game sort of in in a halfway stage where you can sort of play it, but it doesn't look that good yet because it hasn't been, the graphics haven't been finished. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's sort of the best you usually get, but it's never finished when I when I get hired. So I always, you know, I, it's kind of backwards, whereas a movie, it's pretty much done and shot when they give it to me. Um, mm-hmm. So it, it is a little different. It's trying to, it's a little more conceptual, um, which in some ways actually gives you more freedom because you kind of, be a part of creating the atmosphere before it's sort of finished being, you know, created in terms of visual and sound otherwise. So it's actually a, it's actually a cool position to be in. That is kind of neat. And, and do you, you've, what do you think when you finally get to play it? Do you, are, do you find yourself 
going, oh, that's where, the, oh, oh, yes, this was perfect. Yeah, it's interesting. <laughs> it's very interesting to see where, because some things, there are some really great accidents where you're like, oh, my God, I didn't even know that was going to line up. It's perfect. <laughs> and then there's some times where you're like, oh, wow, that, that just went right by, and there was no, the music didn't do anything here because of, that we didn't know, I didn't know when I wrote it that it was going to happen. And, and so there's, there's, there's positives and negatives, but, but it's, you know, in most cases, it's, it's a really great amount of freedom. And, it's, and, and usually the people in the video game world are very supportive and, and really love music. So they're, they're usually really great to work for. That's awesome. Well, I, I've almost, I've kept you like over time, but I have one more good question for you because I have to ask this. And to me, it's amazing that this has kept going. Did you ever think that you'd still be composing for Supernatural 10 years later? Absolutely not. <laughs> Absolutely. I never, ever in my wildest dreams, but I'm so thankful that this show is still going on. You know what? So, I mean, first of all, it was such a happy start because it was created by my friend Eric Kripke, who was my next-door neighbor and fraternity brother in college. Uh, <laughs> That's awesome. And I, and I did all of his short films free. We used to go to Sundance, and, and 11 of us would stay in a one-bedroom apartment to get, or a condo together sleeping on floors to, to, to screen his short films. And we were all part of this little dream team that, you know, that wanted to make movies. And, and Eric is from Ohio, and I'm from, you know, the East Coast as well. And we just have this same love of, like, like you said, genre, telling story stuff. And, and, and to be able to start that ride was awesome. But then to really sit there and go, oh, my God, 10 years later. And, and the other thing that's great about it is the show is better now than, I mean, it, it, it's gotten only better. And I think, it, it, you know, it, a lot of it is testament to, you know, our producers and our writers are so great. And, and quite honestly, the casting has just been so good. And the, the you know, the, the relationship and the camaraderie between Jensen and Jared and Misha and Jim Beaver and all these great characters on there, I mean, it, it's really amazing. Like, the fact that you so want to see every week, you still want to know what's going to happen to Sam and Dean and what's going to happen with Castiel. And I think that, you know, that it's just, it's, they've taken a place in, in their fans' hearts, and, and I just love the fact that it's, it's going and it's still going strong, and, and I think it has to do with, with who, you know, with what Eric created in terms of a, of a you know, it, it, on the surface it looks like a, a, a scary show about when, you know, when two brothers, look, you know, search after demons, when in actuality the reason it's been on, I think, so long is because it's about two brothers and their family and their relationship and the people that they care about. And every time when you think it's getting too scary or too heavy, there's another episode that's really funny and they have fun with each other and they don't take each other too seriously. And it's just like the perfect balance for a, for a show that, that needs to have legs. And, you know, I think it's, I, yeah, I, I can't believe it's still going on and I'm, I'm thankful it is. And I, I just, I have so much love in my heart for that show. I think it's, it's just the best. And, well, you know, and, and it's and it's great. Well, and the thing that I keep telling people that I I'm I'm still in awe of after I think about it is Mark Shepard and his father yep. have both yep. been involved with like the biggest science fiction and horror epics in the last Crazy, right? like thirty. I mean, seriously, 
they've been in everything together. I mean, those two men have touched upon every big science fiction property and horror property pretty much in the world. It's insane. It really is. I mean, I'm like, he's been in Doctor Who, you know, in Max Headroom and Star Trek and holy crap. (laughs) Awesome. (laughs) I love it. It's great. Well, Chris, I thank you so much for coming on. I would love to have you back if um, if you're ever free up and want to chat again about something you're working on. I would be happy to come back whenever you want. I love talking about fun, dorky, geeky stuff. That's what we're about. <laughs> that is my life. <laughs> <laughs> that is my life. Well, thank you so much. And everybody, Agent Carter starts tonight on, as of this recording, uh, January 6th, starts on ABC. Gallivant is airing currently on ABC right now and will be for the next three weeks. And um, thank you so much, Chris. And um, when did the wedding ring come out? Next Friday. We will um, see you next week on Fangirl Radio.